What's up, man, and welcome to another episode of Quality Man Hood, a show meant for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of the hosts of the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, Kellen Allen. What's up, PJ Burner? There we go. And we're we not alone, though. We are not. We've got a, a guest in studio for the first time of season three. We have Lucas Pace joining us for this episode of Quality Manhood. Hey, guys. Lucas the Marathon Pace. The, ma- the Pace Setter. The- we're going to no? have to stop this episode and restart because that was horrible. Why? That was just awful. No, it was good. No, it wasn't. It was so good. But, Lucas, you did just run a marathon. How was that? Brutal. Brutal. So you weren't the pace setter. Uh, no, I was uh, crawling across that first line. <laughs> so I finished. The fact that you ran 26 miles, you couldn't. You, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call it running. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, after you run 26 miles, do you just take like a month off? And you're like, I'm good. I exercised 26 miles in one day. <laughs> Spread that across the next month. Well, you wouldn't think so. But after uh, the way my legs are feeling now, I might need a whole month of recovery. It's tempting. Yeah. Yeah. So did you use, like, what sort of training regimen did you use? I just downloaded something from the internet and just followed the training plan. Because <laughs> some people have coaches for these things. Yeah, no coach. No coach. No, coach. no instructor. No instructor. No. Accountability. Yeah. Run- running partners. That's running good. Partners. Yeah, so that was good. You had some felt. good running partners. Yeah, they put me to shame on the on, uh. out on the course, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so it maybe, was uh, humbling. Maybe you need to go on and leave a, a negative review on that training manual that you downloaded from the internet. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't the plan. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, it was me, not the plan. So unfortunately, but some of these people that run these marathons, like they get coaches, right? That are teaching yeah. them, like, here's your running form. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, they they can they can do that, and uh, they probably do a lot better than I did. Yeah, because well, they're they've got that ability to yeah to teach. Some of them go so far as to have the coach in their ears as they're running. Yeah. The race. Like, they have a recording of it. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about that, which is just weird. Yeah. Like, they're not there, but they're telling you what they're, you should be doing. They're telling you what you should be doing. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're able to, to teach. There we go. They're Would able be, to teach. They're, they're capable. Yes. Because if you ask me, hey, can you train me for a marathon, I'm going to look at you and go, yeah, you need to find somebody different. You, you could train what not to do, right? I could probably do that. Hey, come sit on the couch next to me and watch this uh, baseball game. <laughs> it's not how not to train for a marathon, right? Come uh, have good barbecue in Texas with me. How not to train for a marathon. Tillamook ice cream, right? How not to train for a marathon. Right. I'm going to start a hashtag and just tweet out my life. How not to train for a marathon. Because I don't have the ability to teach someone how to train for a marathon. Right. But speaking of an ability to teach, as godly men, we all are called to, to strive after in some form or capacity, right? An ability to teach. Pastor Lucas, we've been talking about the qualities of a, a godly man and that come out of the, the list of qualifications for an elder. And we come to one like being able to teach. And there's probably a lot of guys listening to this going, well, that's for my pastor. That's for the elders of my ch- church. That's not for me. Um, is, is that is that true? Do, do we get an exemption when, when we come across that? If we're not a pastor, we're not an elder, we're not in a formal teaching capacity. When we come across that attribute, able to teach, uh, should we check out on that one? Well, absolutely not. I mean, I think there is uh, the command in Scripture that we're all supposed to be able to instruct one another, to teach one another. Uh, Paul says that in Colossians 1 where he wants to teach everyone, instruct everyone that they might be mature in Christ. Uh, And then he says uh, later in Colossians 3 that 
let the word of God dwell in you richly, that you're able to teach one another, instruct one another. And so obviously uh, there is that specific qualification for pastors, for, for elders, uh, what they need to do. But that is something that every man should be able to do in the context of the local church. Yeah. Yeah. So Kellen, when we're talking about teaching, one of the, the areas where what Lucas was just saying there about being able to teach within the context of the local church, one of the areas is discipleship Yeah, is a big part of that. So, Kellen, talk to us. What does it look like for me as if I'm a lawyer, I'm a banker, I'm, you know, going in, I'm sitting at a desk for 60 hours a week, I'm not a pastor. What does it look like for me to engage in the discipleship capacity of teaching within the local church? Yeah, so when we're plugged into the church, then meaning we're plugged into ministries, you're going to have guys that you should be discipling, that you should be pouring into um, as you grow spiritually and uh, become more and more like Christ, then we're called to teach them. We're called to teach God's Word and handle it appropriately. And that could be in a discipling context. That could be in a counseling context as well. And so as you have people uh, within your own, whether it be small group or um, people within your life that you are pouring into, God calls us to disciple them and teach them. And he talks about that in Titus 2. Uh, he starts off in verse 1. He says, but as for you, teach what what accords with sound doctrine. And so that that concept of teaching the Bible as it is, right, not trying to come up with our own uh, subjective reasonings or our own experiences in life, but teaching sound doctrine, teaching what the Bible says. And then he talks about what how men should do this. Uh, older men, in, in verse 6, is, I'll jump down, he says, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself all respects to be a model of good work. So it's not just teaching, but actually being able to have a life that exemplifies and reflects that the, the, the teaching of God's word and having good works. And he says, and in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that the opponent may not be, may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. And so I, I love that verse because it not only just talks about us teaching, we have a requirement and a command to live a life that reflects this good teaching, the sound doctrine that we are going to be pouring into the people that we disciple, that we counsel. Because uh, that could hurt our witness, right? If we're counseling somebody, telling them this is the what you should do according to God's word, and they look at our life and it's completely different, uh, then we're causing them to stumble, right? We're, we're putting blocks in front of them as well. Right, yeah, it's it's not, hey, do as I do, or do as I say, not as I do, right? We can't embrace that mentality. We've got to back it up with our lifestyle. Second Timothy 2.2, 2, uh, Paul tells Timothy there, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men. Okay, well, mm-hmm. So you're going, okay, well, that's, that's Paul telling Timothy to entrust it to faithful men, but I'm still off the hook here, except that Paul's instruction continue when he says, and those faithful men, they should also be able to teach others as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's this chain that we want to see here. Man, if you're in a faithful church, and hopefully you are, whether that's here with us at Compass Bible Church or you're in another local church somewhere in the nation, as you are hearing the preaching and teaching of the word on a regular basis, you are being fed. Uh, that's, that's not to stop with you. The buck doesn't stop with you when it comes to solid teaching and being fed from the word, you need to then seek to impart that to other people as well, teach other people as well. And, you know, just to think the gift that you have in being taught God's word as you learn God's word, whether that's from the pulpit ministry or uh, reading scripture or from a podcast, as anybody is going to teach you God's word, that's a, you're being instructed and now you're entrusted with what you have been taught. What are you going to do with that? Mm. Are you going to be faithful? And I think one of the primary things that men need to be found faithful in is that job is leading their home. Uh, 
And so what I'm being taught, am I now sharing that with my wife and instructing my wife and my children, investing in them? I, I know so many people that they go to church on the weekend and what they're doing is they hear something and they might grow in knowledge, but it ends there right. rather than having that heart and that passion say, now I want to share that with somebody else. What a great opportunity to go and share that with your kids. You talk about what you are learning mm-hmm. and how that applies to your life with your, with your kids. Right. In Deuteronomy 6, right? That was God's design from the outset, right. that we're supposed to be talking about these things. What are these things? But what we are learning from his word, what we're learning from scripture, speaking about them with our children. When we're laying down, when we're rising up, they should be on the doorposts of our home. They should be everywhere, right? So yeah, that's a great point, Pastor Lucas, the, the idea of your home being a place where you are teaching and instructing uh, y- your family with what you're being poured into. Uh, Kellen, you mentioned counseling, though, so let's mm-hmm. revisit that because I think we can distinguish, and we should distinguish discipleship from counseling. Certainly counseling comes into play with discipleship, mm-hmm. but there are going to be other times where you know, you've know you got a brother who's struggling with, with uh, difficulties in their marriage or difficulties with a wayward child at home, or he's struggling with a sin issue, and that's an area where we need to be able to handle the word in those contexts. And that's not just a job to say, well, you need to go sit down and meet with a pastor uh, to get counseling. Sometimes maybe that's the case, but I hope the front line of our the the front line of defense in all of our churches is men seeking to engage one another and, and counsel with the word. Uh, Lucas, talk to us a little bit about that. That's a, a particular area of, of focus for you um, and has been for a while. So how should we be adept at counseling with the word? Well, it reminds me of uh, what Paul said in Romans 15, 14. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourself are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Mm. And so that's to the church, right? That's to the the church that they are full of knowledge and they are able to instruct one another. That's not the the formal biblical counseling setting. That's not going to the pastor, but that's the church being able to instruct one another. And uh, I, I love biblical counseling. we got a biblical counseling team at our, our church that are trained biblical counselors. But I do not like seeing our biblical counselors being uh, asked to do formal counseling when that should just be going on in the context of the one another's of the church, where it should be happening in our men's ministry, our, our women's ministry, our small group ministry, where we're able to help each other within the normal uh, avenues of life that we're able to open up God's word and say, what does God's word say about this? Let's talk about it. Let's understand it. Let's help people apply it. And that's part of teaching the word uh, to one another that that needs to be happening happening for a healthy uh, church. Yeah, and I love that. You know, we talk about that in biblical counseling. It's not like you know we're coming up with these creative ways. It's exactly what you just said. Asking, what does God's word say about whatever the problem is? And as believers, as Christians, people that are studying God's words and being students of of God's word. We should all be able to do that. Uh, and, of course, there's levels to it, right? If there, it gets to a certain point, then, yeah, we should go to a counselor or maybe it should go to a pastor. But, yeah, every Christian should look at a situation, especially with the people that are around them, and say, you know, is this something that I can open up God's Word with whomever this is and we can we can see what God's Word have to say about it and then be able to apply it to their life. And that's how we learn and grow as well as taking a problem that we might be a little uncomfortable with and saying, let's just open up God's Word and, and, and read it together and study it together. Yeah, and actually, speaking of counseling and God's Word, and, and Lucas, you referenced Colossians 3.16 earlier, just alluded to it. 
But it says this, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and here's the word, admonishing one another in all wisdom. Uh, and that comes from the overflow of having God's word dwell in us as, mm-hmm. as men. And this is written to the church. This is not written to a specific tier in the church, anyone with a title in the church. This is just written to the church there at Colossae and, and by uh, implication to us as well. And that word for admonishing, if you guys were around a few years ago. <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> the, the Greek word that makes a, a really bad title for a men's conference, the Greek word nutheteo. Um, it's a great shirt, though. It's, it draws a lot of attention. Is it? It is, it yeah. Is. What does that even mean? It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe if you're listening to this, uh, you've heard of nuthetic counseling. Right. And nuthetic counseling uses God's word as the basis of our wisdom and information um, and approach to anything going on in someone's life. And it brings God's word to bear on a problem, whether that's uh, helping someone work through a loss or helping somebody work through uh, sin, whether they have themselves sinned or they've been sinned against. Um, it's pointing people to the word of God. And that's a way that all of us men should be so saturated with God's word that, uh, that if you think of yourself like a sponge, as you are squeezed, you are, uh, what comes out is, is the word of God. Um, and, and that's really, I, I think part of the problem is where men might be afraid to teach God's word is because they haven't spent enough time in God's word. Right. They, they're not soaking it in. They're not reading it every single day. They're not meditating on it. They're not putting scripture to, to memory. Uh, they are not, when they are going to church or they're going to a study, they're not immersing their, their minds in it and saying, okay, I want to take notes. I want to learn as much as I can because I'm called to use what I learn mm-hmm. for the good of the body of Christ, to, to able to instruct, admonish one another, to teach one another. And so I, I think, you know, a lot of men show up because they're called to show up, but they don't really say, I, I need to know God's word because I'm called to teach God's word to other people. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was just going to say, even with that, just being confident in, especially in our culture now, people take everything out of context. People, you know, take a little bit of, uh, of a verse and then, you know, take wherever they want to with it. And as people that as Christians that study God's word, as men that study God's word, we need to be able, and he talks about this in Second Timothy, uh, Paul does, and he, he says that we need to be able to, to correct our opponents with gentleness, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. And so even when we have so many people that are distorting God's word or trying to make it something that they want it to mean, uh, being able to teach is, is teaching people and correcting people uh, to what God's word actually says so that there can be the, the truth towards that and there can be that transformation in their life, not just what we want to feel like it should say. Right. Yeah. Correction is huge in an ability to teach, whether that's your neighbor who says, hey, I just tuned into this guy named Joel Osteen and I think he's really encouraging. <laughs> right. And, you know, that opportunity to say in a, a loving way, right. right, hey, can I point you to something maybe that's a, a little bit better <laughs> for yeah. you and here's why? And or maybe it's a brother in your church who is, you know, struggling with, with something and pulls a verse out of context. And because like Lucas was just saying, you are saturated, you have internalized it, you have memorized it. Mm-hmm. You're able to know, Hey, you know, that's actually not what he's talking about there. What he's talking about is actually this mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, being able to teach in the context of discipleship, being able to teach in the context of counseling, um, which certainly also in, in, involves correction as well, like we were just saying, but, but how about evangelism, right? I mean, Matthew 28, applies to all of us, that we are all called to go and make disciples. Um, that is a, a commission that has been given to the church at large, and certainly teaching is going to be involved in that, right? Because Jesus even actually says that, right? right? Matthew 28. He says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And so that in, is certainly a, a part of teaching. 
so Lucas, as you think about evangelism and our call to be teachers and inadequate with the word of God, how do those two things relate to one another uh, in that context? Yeah, unfortunately, I think when people think about self, evangelism, they're thinking about salvation, right? We got to make a disciple. Well, I got to share the gospel because I want to see someone repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ, which obviously is that foundation. But that's not discipleship, right? That's the the genesis of discipleship, to see someone become a new creation in Christ. But to make disciples is that ongoing process of learning all that we can know about God and applying the truth of God's word into our life. That's the teaching, right? Right. And so it just goes back to what we've been talking about over and over again. Are you soaking up, saturating God's word so now you can be a good discipler, mm-hmm. uh, knowing Christ, following Christ, following God's word, so now you're able to teach that same thing uh, to other men, to the, the people that you are surrounding yourself with. And so if you're not, right, if you're saying, okay, I want to go, I want to be evangelistic, I want to go make disciples for Christ, I want to win people, you know, like, yeah, we should be passionate about that. But if you're not passionate about that next level of that right. continual learning, understanding God's word, so now you can continue to teach God's word, you're you're a poor disciple maker, right? right? Which ties in with with Hebrews five, right? Which is uh, an indictment on right. on rebuke. that exact problem, yeah. right? right? That you've got a church that maybe is excited about new converts, but they've got nobody that can take them any further, right? Um, Hebrews 5, 11 through 12 is, is the context there. It says, and we have much to say uh, about this. He's talking about Melchizedek here, and he, he presses pause. He says, but you've become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be, and notice what, what the writer says here, by this time you ought to be church, you ought to be teachers. Right. Instead, you have need of someone to come back and, and remind you of the basic principles of the, the oracles of God, of the message of the gospel. You need milk, not solid food. Right. Um, so yeah, that's a, a huge uh, problem is, is when we, when you share the gospel, you need to be prepared to disciple at the same time. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that rebuke goes back to what we were talking about earlier is th- they found themselves to be unfaithful to taking the task that God has given them, which is to, to be teachers, to mm. instruct one another. Right. I mean, that's, that's what I want to hear at the end of my life is well done. My good and faithful mm. servant. Mm. Right? I mean, how, how amazing is that going to be to hear that from our Lord and Savior? Yeah. Right? I want to be faithful. Yeah. And so it's not just, you know, a, a pastor or someone who is in vocational ministry, right? Part of being faithful is making disciples and teaching other people to observe all that Christ has commanded. And so that's where we got to re, you know, put our, our efforts in engaging in Scripture, to, to know Scripture. It's breathed out by God and it's useful for, for teaching and for reproof and for correction correction and for uh, training the man of God so it could be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're going to miss out on good works that God has planned for us if we're not uh, engaging in scripture so we can teach one another. Yeah. Yeah. And that requires, yeah, like you just said, work and we, we are quite required to work hard. Again, we're talking post-salvation. We're talking being able to read uh, God's word and study God's word so that we can teach it to other people. And as our own disciples continue to grow too. That's going to require us to grow as well. Like we can't stay stagnant in where we are in our Bible reading. There's just a, a, an infinity of, of, of knowledge that we can get from God's word. And we are called to continue to study that and continue to teach it. And even what you just said with um, evangelism, it's like, I think too often times we use it to check a box. We share the gospel and then we're out. 
right? Share the gospel and we're out and we're like, oh, God will take care of it from there. It's like, no, we need to share the gospel and stay with that person, right? And continue to disciple them and pour into them. And Lord willing, they get saved and yeah, it doesn't stop there. Then we start talking about, you know, what does this life of sanctification look like? Like, how can we continue to grow you? And uh, the hope is and the prayer is that that person would take that same um, discipleship that they got, and they would continue to, to pour into other people as well. And we hear that so many times of people saying, you know what, I had this one person disciple me, and they showed me what it was like to disciple somebody and to grow someone. And I can't help but to share that with others. And so that's the goal there that we want to do. But yeah, you just said, just continue to teach, continue to disciple, and that's going to require us to continue to study well. Yeah, and, and that's why parenting is such a good metaphor and apt metaphor. Even Paul talks about his spiritual children, right? I mean, we believe Timothy was most likely uh, converted under Paul's ministry, though, yeah, his grandmother and mother had an, an impact in his life too. But when you think about your kids, man, it's not like you teach them the basics and then you're like, all right, you're on your own, right? After I've taught you how to hold a spoon and, and get food into your mouth, now go for it. No, you're you're patient with them and realize that there's going to be ups and downs to this. And yeah, you're going to discipline sometimes and you're going to encourage, you're going to exhort, you're going to carry them along in the, in, in their just upbringing, their maturity. That needs to be us with, uh, with other, other people as we share the gospel with them, hopefully see them come to faith in Christ. And then, uh, in, in so many ways, spiritually parent them along that, that journey and that process. One more thing I want to hit on, though, because even though we started by saying, hey, this is not just for the pastors or elders out there. Um, Kellen, you know this all too well, right? Sometimes <laughs> there are men that are sitting out there who may be in a, a nine-to-five job in the corporate world and feeling a pull towards ministry, right? So this is a qualification for somebody who would say, I want to be a pastor. I want to be an elder. I want to be a teacher. Um, so... If, if men, if you are, are out there and you are interested in pursuing ministry, understand this is a, a, this is a key non-negotiable element of this. Um, every single one of our pastors on our team here at Compass Bible Church, we've got eight of us uh, that we often say around the table because we, we sit around a, a conference table for our meetings together. We've got eight of us and all of us are, are able to teach. There is no, not one of our pastors that you look at and say, well, he shouldn't be teaching because he can't teach. Um, so, uh, understand that this is, is a, a key and integral part of that. And also men uh, understand that, that this is something to, to hold your, uh, your leaders accountable to. Um, you should be in a church where you have gifted preachers that are feeding you faithfully from the word of God. And if they are abdicating that role, if they're not doing that, uh, well, then they are falling short of a qualification of a man of God who is called the shepherd of church through the ability to teach. And, and preach. And so make sure, men, that that, uh, that you keep that in mind. I mean, we're, we're going through this primarily to say, hey, all of us should be striving for these things, but we also want to, to you to know, and we're saying this, all three of us in this room are pastors here at this church. We're saying this, that, that we need to be held accountable to these standards as well, um, that this is what we need to model. This is what we need to hit. Um, and, uh, and though we don't do it perfectly, uh, we, we certainly need to be characterized by these things. And so that's uh, an important thing to keep in mind as well. Man, we are grateful for you, and hopefully you enjoyed this and enjoyed our first guest back in studio with us for this season. Pastor Lucas, thanks for joining us in this. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. And uh, as we do always, we will start praying for you guys right now that you will strive to model this attribute of a godly man.